Like I said, we're going we're gonna to celebrate baptism. I'm going to explain, explain a little bit about what that means and what it represents and why it's so important in a few minutes. But to do that, I wanted to look at this scripture in Acts chapter 8. And it, it really is like the quintessential baptism passage where you just see a, a man be baptized after he finds this good news about Jesus. And it's this incredible story. And I want to look at it for a few minutes to kind of get our, our, our heads and our hearts around what's happening here. And the, the story story goes that this, this man, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch, we find out, is, is, is on this journey and he's heading back from the, the city of Jerusalem where he'd gone to worship. And we find that God had prompted this new Christian, this evangelist named Philip, to run up behind this, this eunuch's chariot and just hang with them as long as it takes and look for a window, an opportunity to insert the gospel and the good news. I love that picture of how, how God was chasing this eunuch down. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Like he says, he says to Philip, hey, just go and chase that, chase that chariot down, hang out there on the road, go as long as it takes, we're gonna go after that person. That's who God is, you know that, right? God is the God who chases us down. He's the God who comes after us. And there are those of you in here this morning and maybe watching online or under the sound my voice at one of the campuses who I, I want to tell you that God has been chasing you down your whole life. He has been chasing you down every moment and every step of your journey, walking patiently beside you, waiting for his moment to interrupt, just like Philip did. And, I, and I'm praying that today is that interruption for you. And so we find this story, and it's about this Ethiopian. Now, what do we need to know about him? The Bible does give us a few details, and this helps us wrap our heads around this man, but more, more importantly, something we all have in common with him. It says that he, a few things. One, we find that he's, he's an Ethiopian. He's not actually from the nation of Israel. He's actually traveled a long way. If you're familiar with the continent of Africa, Ethiopia is on the, on the eastern coast, uh, kind of halfway down through the continent. And so he'd literally traveled about 4,500 kilometers to go to Jerusalem uh, behind two horses in a chariot. Like that's a picture riding a chariot from St. John to Calgary. That's, uh, that's what this guy has done. And now there's some important things we need to note. And, and Luke, the, the writer of Acts, gives us these details because it helps us understand the context. You need to know something about this man. He is on a massive, lifelong search for the one. He's been on this search his whole life, and we find a few details about him. One, he's Ethiopian. He's come a long way from his culture and his country. He did not find what he was looking for in his people group. He didn't find what he was looking for in his native religion. He, he, he left there in search of something. He went to Jerusalem to, to, to find maybe the God of Israel is who I'm looking for. We also find out, though, he's, he's, a, he's an important figure. He was the treasurer of the, the Candace, of the Kandake, the, the queen of Ethiopia. This was a massive job. Now you understand the person who controls the money really controls the power in that whole kingdom. And so he is without a doubt the most powerful person next to the queen herself in that whole nation. This dude was a high roller. 
I mean, this dude had climbed the ladder. We don't know how he got there. We don't know what he did. Maybe he was like Joseph, who was maybe sold into slavery, but showed such capacity that this queen just kept elevating him for such a time as this. We aren't really given those details. All we know is he is the most powerful person in that country next to the queen herself. And there's this other detail we need to know. Not only is he powerful, not only is he from another country and another nation, not only has he gone a long way from home, but this guy has some identity characteristics that are a little bit peculiar and unique. We find that he is a eunuch. And now in those days, it wasn't uncommon for a, a servant or a slave, especially if it's a male servant serving a female leader to be a eunuch. And now I know there's kids in the room, so I won't describe exactly what that is, but let's just say his maleness was uh, in question. Let's just go there. He had uh, lost the gear. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so he, he was this kind of confused identity. He wasn't really male or female at that point. Like he just kind of was a, a eunuch. It's really the best way to describe it. And so you see this, this unique, complicated individual. I mean, is a guy with identity issues. He's a guy that's literally climbed the, the, the power ladder of politics and success in his country. And he's a guy who's explored the religions of not only his continent, but now he's on his search gone so far that he's looked for a religion in a whole other nation with a whole other people group. Uh, and when I think about this, this man, I, I think of a guy on a search, a guy that in the words of Bono, still hasn't found what he's looking for. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I'm trying to teach my kids real music. Right? The Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. And so I'm trying to help with all this, this junk that's anyway. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> he hasn't found what he's looking for. And for whatever reason, and now I, I had a guy come up to me last night after church and say, look, I'm, uh, dude, I'm revoking your man card. Um, we're taking it back. Because when I got thinking about this guy, what came to mind for some reason was that movie, Runaway Bride. Has anybody ever seen the movie Runaway Bride? Don't judge me. I don't know when I saw it. My wife, she, she said, we haven't watched it together. So I don't even know when I saw it. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's on, it was on TBS. You know, remember TBS, they would just show, that's where I saw all my movies as a teenager. So I think it was on TBS. I didn't rent it, okay? But in the movie Runaway Bride, it's this story about this woman played by Julia Roberts, Maggie, where she has this, she's developed this persona and this history about being someone who thinks and she falls fast in love with these suitors, these potential suitors. And she thinks, ah, oh, I found the one. But then as she gets closer to the big day, the big day where they tie the knot and she takes the plunge, she realizes on further examination and further inspection, he, he's not the one. And so over and over in the movie, you get her backstory where she literally leaves this multitude of poor guys at the altar and she runs away, giving her the name, the runaway bride. And it's not, it's only until Richard Gere and all of his dreamy gray locks comes in and gives her the gear, you know, and like she can't resist that Julia goes head over heels and she's no longer running away. And they have like this shotgun wedding and they elope and it's this this great story. Oh. Anyway, 
It made me think of that though. Like when I got thinking about this eunuch, somebody who, you know, he's gone to the, he's gone right up to the edge of committing his life to his identity only to find out this isn't, it's not the one I'm looking for. He's, he's climbed the corporate ladders. He's, he's intelligent and influential and he's done the money thing and he, he can have whatever he wants. He's got chariots and an entourage, but he's realized this is not the one either. This isn't the one I'm looking for. He, he's, he's looked into his own cultures and religions, whatever they are. And he's found out, you know what, this isn't what I'm looking for either. It's not the one. And so now he's on a 4,500 kilometer journey, hoping that he can find the one. And we find him not there with anyone, not with the one. In fact, we find him on the way home. He's leaving. And not only is he leaving, but he's on his way home with his head buried in the scriptures, still searching. He's still looking still trying to figure it out. And he feels like he's close. There's something about this God of Israel. There's something about this that I can't quite quantify. There's something peculiar and special. Maybe, maybe God's the one, yet he's still searching. And we find though, we find Philip through the anointing and the direction of the Holy Spirit, we find Philip running up beside him, interrupting. Running up and kind of knocking on his, on his window of his, of his car, right? Like you picture him kind of run up beside and, and knock on the window and, and then he roll, rolls down the window, right? Kids, this is how we used to put windows down in the cars. Just, you don't even know. You don't even know what you got. Anybody still doing this in your car? Anybody? anybody? All right, all right. I'm impressed. And so the, the, Philip chases down this Ethiopian and it says that he gets up in the, into the chariot and he gets invited in and he begins to share the good news about Jesus. He interrupts him. He's like, hey, what you reading? And he has this moment and he gets in the chariot and it says right then and there, he started with that scripture and began to explain the good news about Jesus. And we find out as Philip began to explain, you know what the eunuch realized? Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. He had this realization as, as Philip began to, to pour over the scriptures. He's saying, you know what? In Isaiah, this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about the son of God who came to offer his life for you and me. He, this is what it's all about. And he, he began to, I can just picture Philip opening the scriptures and going back to Genesis and talking about how we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, how God made the heavens and the earth. And you aren't here by some cosmic accident. You didn't form in some accidental cosmic soup. There is a designer and a purpose and a destiny over your life. I can see, I can see Philip telling the eunuch that, that God made all things. And in the beginning, he called it good. But and then we find in Genesis 3 where there's this, this thing that happened where man disobeys, where we kind of go against the image of God that was put in us and we begin to disobey God and seek our own elevation in the wrong ways, which enters in sin to the picture. And I can see Philip explaining to the eunuch, you know why you, know why you have this longing in your heart? You know why you've been searching your whole life only to find not the one, not the one, not the one, not the one, but you know you were made for the one. Do you know why that is? Because every one of us were born disconnected from the one. Every one of us were born severed from that life-giving relationship that can only truly satisfy. You and I were born into disconnection and disarray and disintegration and dysfunction from the connection from the one true God. It's because of this thing called sin. And now, eunuch, I can picture him explaining, now you, you've, you've 
you've felt, you've felt the, the fallout of sin in your life. You've been a victim. I mean, how does, a, how does an individual become a eunuch? I don't think that's something a guy signs up for. Like, yeah, I'm going to get, like, going to the barber, right? Like, you know? <laughs> like, I can, see, I can see Philip explaining to the eunuch, you know what? Like, you've had, you've had things done to you. You've, had, you've been a victim of sin. You know, you know that thing that happened in your family? You know that hereditary disease that you guys face? You know, you know that loss that you guys had to go through? You know that, that time and that trouble that affected your country and your countrymen and your community? You know those things, all those disasters and all those, those brutal things that you've gone through in your life? That's, that's not your fault, actually. It's the fault of sin. It's not that God is mad. It's not that God doesn't care. Because that's the big question a lot of us ask. Because in it, we look around the world and we say, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. If there's a God, does he care? And I can see Philip explaining, it's not that God doesn't care. It's that God's not there. God's not connected. And that wherever God isn't, there's disintegration and dysfunction that leads to death. And so he's telling Philip that this is the reason why you've had to go through certain things, but, but there's more than that. It's not just that we're victims to sin, but we're also complicit in it. The Bible says that all of us have done things. We've contributed. We've contributed to the dysfunction and the de decay and the disintegration of the earth. We've contributed to those things in our own lives. How many of you know, like generally speaking, we're our own worst enemy? No one lies to us more than ourselves. No one leads us in worse ways than, our, than us. Every single one of us, every single one of us, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what does it mean to fall short? I can see, I can picture Philip explaining to the eunuch, you, 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 know how, you know how like you thought you found the one and you got right up there and then you realize, you know what, not the one, we fell short. You see, we've all done things to try to obtain God and get to God. We thought that maybe we'd find him by succeeding. We thought that maybe we'd find him by getting accomplishment after accomplishment only to realize we still fall infinitely short and I haven't found the one I'm looking for. Or maybe you thought that if I just I connected with this person or that person or I gave, you know, I gave myself to him, then I'd be satisfied with his affection. And then I realized, you know what, still not the one. I haven't found what I'm looking for. Every one of us have known that. You know, one of the most disappointing things in life is to get the thing that you wanted so bad and realize it's not actually the thing that you thought you wanted anyway. And over and over again, the eunuch had experienced that. And I could see Philip saying, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why you've experienced that. It's because you are looking for God. You are searching for God. But here is the incredible part. I can see, I can almost picture Philip leaning in. Are you ready for the good news? Here's the good news. God has been searching for you. And this is what Isaiah was talking about. Isaiah was talking about how God, like he literally became human. He put on flesh. He dwelt among us. Like remember the, the guy, John, he's writing a book right now. This guy, John, there's a guy named Luke writing a book and Mark, they're going to be big hits, but he's, he's writing, he's writing this book right now. And he says like, he, he uses this word. I heard it in one of his sermons one time. He says, behold, we beheld his glory, the word, the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And we, and he, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like that glory that you've been looking for, uni, can I call you uni? Whatever, it's like that glory that you've been looking for. 
that meaning that you've been looking for, that identity that you've been looking for, that purpose you've been looking for, that, that mercy you've been looking for, that love and that, that, that vitality you've been looking for, it's in God and you know that. That's why you came all the way to Jerusalem. But here's the good news. You don't have to go and search for him. He's been chasing you down your whole life and he has just walked up behind you and knocked on your door in your chariot and now he's telling you, here I am. See, that's the gospel. The gospel is this. The gospel is that God came to us, that grace came down, that joy came down, that life came down, that peace came down, that mercy came down, that true identity came down, that true acceptance came down. That's what the gospel is. And it's different than all the other ways you'll find in this world. Whether it's through human achievement or trying to do it your own way, or whether it's through religion, all of these things are man trying to get to God, to ascend, trying to reach nirvana or make an accomplishment or make myself worthy. That's what all the world is trying to do. But here's the gospel is this, that worthy came down, that success came down, that joy came down, that mercy came down, that forgiveness. Like some of you are trying so hard to get the monkey of your past off your back. Here's the good news, mercy and a new story came down in Jesus. That's, that's the gospel. I can picture him talking about how Jesus came. And then I can, then, then I can picture him leaning in. He's like, no, this is where it gets crazy. We saw him. I mean, we saw him. We watched him. He, he didn't just come and live. We watched him as he ministered. We listened to his teaching. And eunuch, you got to know, man, I have never heard anything like what I heard come out of his mouth. Like it was, the only way I can say it is, is, is real authority. It was like real truth. What he was saying is the most brilliant, powerful, solid, surefire, secure stuff I have ever heard. He taught, but he didn't just teach. He wasn't just all talk. I mean, we saw some crazy stuff, man. We saw some stuff go on. Like we saw him, like he would go up to sick people and touch them and they would be healed immediately. In fact, one time we saw him dial one in long distance. He didn't even have to touch the girl. He just said, your servant's well, go home. We saw him one night, we saw him walk out on water and he changed the molecular structure of H2O. I don't know if they knew what H2O was back then, but just go with me. They changed the, they, he changed the molecular structure of water so that he could walk out. And then he walked out in the middle of a storm and stepped in the boat and then he said, peace be still. And the storm stopped. Like he had authority over nature. He had authority over sickness. He, he taught as one with authority. We saw him touch the sick, open blind eyes. We saw him cast out demons and break impossible spiritual chains. We even saw him raise dead people. Like he's powerful. And you know what he kept saying over and over again? I am God. I am the I am. If you're looking for satisfaction, I am the bread of life. If you're looking for salvation, I am the gate of salvation. If you're looking for illumination and you're looking for truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. If you need, if you need hope, I am hope. If you need to find God, I am God. That's who I am. He over and over was declaring these things. Look, you, you need to know something today. He is the one. 
Like Jesus is the one. He is, and I wanna to preach to somebody today. Let's take this out of the chariot and let's get into 332 Hampton Road or wherever you're watching right now. Like you need to hear this today. I don't know what you're looking for or what you think its name is. You might think it's success or you might think it's meaning or you might think it's being a mom or you might think it's being a partner or you might think it's achieving something. I don't know what you're looking for today, but I'll tell you what, that's not the one. He's the one. You are looking for Jesus. You were made for Jesus. The Bible says that God has set eternity inside the heart of men. St. Augustine said that the soul will never find rest until it finds its rest in you. You can achieve all you want. You can accomplish all you want. You can run away from your past as far as you can, but you are always going to be finding not the one. Jesus is the one. And I love this story because, because Philip sits there and he explains to, 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 to the eunuch that Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus died for your sins. This is the crazy part of it all. He died for your sins. Like that God put the, 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 the unrighteousness of us all on him and he placed the glory of God on us from him. It's this incredible, amazing exchange. I mean, we were there, Uni. We were there, man. We saw it, we saw as he went into Jerusalem and he broke bread. We didn't really know what he was talking about at the time, but he broke bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he poured some wine out and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. I'm making a new way. And he said, this is for you, take it. And it represents grace and a fresh start and mercy and righteousness that never ever stops flowing. And then we, it all clicked, we figured it out because we watched him as he went in and he was betrayed. And we watched him as they handed him over to the authorities. We watched him as he went into the temple, that very place that you were just in looking for God. God walked in as, 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 a, as a criminal. And we watched them as they humiliated him and condemned him. And then we didn't realize at the time, but what was happening was he was in our place, standing in our judgment, taking our condemnation and our shame. And then we watched as they whipped him and brutally beat him and they stripped him and they nailed him to a cross. And we watched as he bled out and suffocated, not before he could cry out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then in this powerful last gasp, he just says, it is finished. And with him died all of our sins. And then he said, it gets even crazier. Like, it's not just that like God has forgiven us by dying in our place, but then, then like, so we bury him, right? We take him, to this, we take him to this tomb. This rich guy named Joseph gave us his tomb. Cool stuff. And, and they, they put a guard in front of it and they put a big stone because they thought we were trying to like make this whole thing up. And we, 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 Saturday, we're just, we're devastated. We didn't think this is how it was going to go. We're like, what? God died. That's not good. But then Sunday morning, early, some of our women went and, and, and there they found he wasn't there. We found a couple, a couple of angels and they, they said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. Eunuch, he rose. He rose from death. And you know what it means that he rose from death? It means that death can't hold him. You know what that means? It means that he's in charge and death is not. It means that he's in charge and Satan is not. It means that he really is the King of kings and Lord of lords. It really it means that he really does hold the keys to death and hell. That the resurrection, it validates and vindicates his death on the cross. It vindicates us and it offers us life now and forevermore. This is crazy. And so here, here it is, Mr. Eunuch. He, he actually invites you to come to him. He actually invites you to come to him. 
And when you come to him, you receive the one, that which you are looking for. And in him, you receive life, joy, meaning, peace, provision, direction, hope, all of it. It all comes in him. He really is the one you've been looking for. And so we find they, they I got to be done in here in a second, but we find they, they come up and as they travel along the road, it says in verse 36, let's look at it. It says, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Now, this is important because here's the reason why the eunuch is heading home. The eunuch found out when he got to Jerusalem and he got to the temple where he thought he was going to meet God Almighty, where he thought he was going to experience the glory of God and really find forgiveness and find mercy and be made right with God. He thought that this was going to be where he went in and got all that only to find out at the doorway, the guards reminded him, hey, uh, two strikes, you're a eunuch and you're not from around here. You can't come in. Eunuchs were not allowed in the temple. Eunuchs were not allowed to go where he wanted to go. And so they sent him packing. And so when he asked, you can almost, you can almost hear a little bit of, ex, of nervous excitement in his voice. He says, what, what's keeping me from being baptized right now? Is there a reason why, like, I don't want to get my hopes up again. Is there a reason why I can't be baptized is what he's saying. He's saying like, okay, it sounds amazing that God came and he calls all people to himself. It sounds amazing like that, that John guy where he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That sounds amazing, but, but does it really mean whoever? Like, or is that just a nice general way to say it? Does it actually mean whoever? Like even me? Even, even a eunuch, even an adulterer, even a liar, even me. And this is where, this is where I, I just can picture Philip saying, yeah, even you. He made a way and he invites us all to come, every single one of us. He stands at the altar and says, I offer myself to you come and receive me, every single one of us. There is no sin that his grace is not greater. There is no sin and brokenness that his love is not greater than. And so the eunuch asks, is there anything that's gonna keep me from being baptized? Why can't I be baptized? Now, one, one quick question, why, why does he ask about baptism? Why does the eunuch connect this invitation to follow Jesus with being baptized? Like, what's the connection there? Why is he, why is he talking about baptism? Well, he would have known that baptism was, was the ceremony of, of consecration. It was the thing that you did when you gave yourself in faith. That's, that was what you did. And it represents, essentially, when you go into the water, it represents being unified. Like when we baptize here in a few minutes, what this water represents is your identity being absorbed in Christ and your old life dying in the ground just like Jesus did and your sin being buried there, and your, your, your debt being buried there, and your fears being buried there, and you coming up as one with Jesus in new life. That's what baptism represents. And the eunuch realized that I, I can't truly come to him unless I all the way come to him. 
And Jesus even said this in Mark 16. He says, uh, let's bring that scripture up. He actually says when he's talking about his gospel, Mark 16, let's bring it up. He actually says like, you're gonna go out into all the earth. You're gonna go into all the world and you're gonna tell people the good news about Jesus, Mark 16. You're gonna tell people about Jesus. And then he says this, he says, go to anybody, tell anybody, Mark 16, tell, tell anybody, <laughs> go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And there it is. Verse 16, what does it say? Say it out loud. Whoever, whoever, whoever. So eunuchs included, old people included, young people included, divorced people included, single people included, married people included, whoever. This is the most inclusive message that has ever been sent. And yet it is 100% inclusive and 100% exclusive because the invitation is to come and die. The invitation is to give up yourself as you give yourself to him. You don't get to be Lord and Savior. He is. And so look what he says. Look what Jesus says. He says, whoever believes, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Why is baptism that important? Because baptism is the thing that legitimizes your faith. It's that thing that allows the Lord Jesus to know you're serious about this. This is why, like, the best way I can compare baptism for us to understand it, when we get baptized, what we're doing is we are, we are, we are marrying ourselves to Jesus. And I've come to think of baptism as like your wedding ceremony. When, when the groom, Jesus, calls you, and he bids you come, come, I stand at the altar and come and be with me. This is what's happening is you are, you are taking vows with him before others saying, I commit myself to you. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people that, that you want to like, you want to date Jesus, but you don't want to give yourself to him. You, you want to live common law. You want to hold a little bit of your, your lordship back here. But Jesus says, you can't have it that way. He is not the guy that is going to put up with a prolonged engagement. He is infinitely patient, but he will not call something a marriage that is not a marriage. And he will not call something salvation that you haven't truly come to him. And so he invites you and he says, come and be baptized. And as you are baptized, it legitimizes your faith. Same way with a wedding. The wedding doesn't make me love my wife. It legitimizes the love I have for my wife. Do you see that? And that's why when we, we all have family members and friends, and maybe some of you are here today and like, you know what, like don't, probably not a good time to like nudge your, your, your cold foot boyfriend, but maybe some of, you, some of you are here today and like the reason why we see prolonged engagements and all of us think in the back of our minds, you're just not that serious about it. You're just not that serious about it. You're holding something back. And here's the thing, you gotta go all the way in with Jesus. You lay your rights, you lay your life, you lay your past, you lay your present, and you lay your future at his feet. And here's the exchange. It's all of him for all of you. You know, I got thinking about baptism. I was thinking about it last night and like how hard this call is. This is a hard call. Like I'm literally going to ask a bunch of you, some of you who have been putting this off for years and years and years, and you are ashamed of that. And you feel like you missed your window. And I'm asking you to get over yourself today and get up and receive what Jesus has for you. And you think, well, that's hard. You know what was harder? Leaving the glory that is due you 
being God Almighty, putting on flesh, coming and bearing your sin and bearing your shame and dying on your cross and offering you true and new eternal life. Like think about how crazy that contrast is. All Jesus asks is for you to get over yourself and lay down your rights. He already gave you everything. How can we come to him holding back when he didn't hold anything back? This marriage is built on mutual surrender, all of you for all of him. And so Philip tells, tells the Ethiopian, well, you're right, you need to be baptized. Good news, there's water right here. And uh, we're gonna do this. But he answers the question. I love it. And if you have a Bible, look at this. This is kind of cool. It says in verse 36, they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And then, it's, then it doesn't say there's a verse 37. Verse 37 is, is not there. Now, some scholars say we lost it. Oops. <laughs> here's a pro tip. Don't lose the Holy Scriptures of God. Anyway, or some scholars say there was never really a 37. We aren't really sure. It's just not been included. So, so officially in the Bible, in the canonized Scripture that has been passed on from generation to generation, officially verse 37 is nothing. I got reading that and just kind of zooming out. I got thinking, okay, the eunuch asks a question. What can separate me from being baptized? What can stop me from saying I do right now? What can stop me? I mean, I hear the invitation. I want him. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting it off. I want to do it right now. What can stop me? And the Bible says, yeah, nothing. There's nothing that can stop you. There is nothing that can stop you from being baptized. And I feel like I'm preaching to two people here right now. There's people who think logistics can stop you. No, they can't. That eunuch said today, right now, I'm not texting my family. I'm not sending them the live stream. I'm just doing it. This cannot wait. He's waiting for me. And if I really love him, I'm not going to make him wait one more minute. But there's also people who think they're disqualified. You think you're too far gone and too broken and you got to clean yourself up. Here's, here's the most beautiful part of this wedding. This groom doesn't want you to put on the dress before. The dress comes when you come up out of the water. That's where he makes you beautiful. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of your past. He's not afraid of your brokenness. He wants all of you. The only thing that can hold you back, the only thing that can disqualify you is you and your unwillingness to let it go. But if you humble yourself and you come to him and you let yourself be counted among him and you say your vows that I take you as Savior and Lord forever and ever, I don't deserve it. I don't know why you do this for me, but I want what you have for me. I give you my life. When you do that, it's done. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to celebrate some baptisms and it's going to be a party and it's going to be awesome. But I'm calling out some people today. It's 1101. Oh, is it? Someone's phone's ringing. <laughs> ben, you can come back. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do this here, but you need to realize something. You need to realize that today is the day. Today is the day. And some of you are fighting all your excuses. Well, I'm going to go home wet. Look, Uni rode home in his chariot all wet. You know, like a, a chariot was like a Ferrari. 
Like, that was nice stuff. Two horsepower. It was really nice. He rode home wet. Some things are worth maybe tarnished upholstery. Some things are worth going home uncomfortable. Some things are worth that because what you receive is forever. Your car can come and go. Your clothes can come and go. But this relationship is established forever and ever. And the Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons, neither, neither death nor famine nor nakedness nor sword. There is nothing that can separate you. So don't wait. Don't wait. So here are the people I felt very much to call out. I'm going to invite you to stand right now. We're going to stand and we're going to do this. First, let's honor those people who are here. I see some people all around the room already who have the, you have the raise to life shirt on and you are planning on it. And I want to just call forward in just a minute, the planned, the planned people that you circled this date and today is the day. And I want to honor you as your brother and as your, as your pastor, I want to honor you and say, well done. We are going to celebrate and party this wedding down like never before. Can we just honor the people who came planned? So good. But I think, I actually, I know this, I know this, I know this, I know it, that there are people here who it was unplanned. In fact, there are people here who like eunuch, the gospel just clicked. You haven't even given your life to Jesus, but here's the amazing thing. The qualification to be baptized and to be saved is faith and faith alone. You don't have to take a class. Did you notice that the eunuch immediately went from, I believe, to unbaptized. There was no catechism. There was no course. He didn't have to pass a test. Didn't have to clean himself up. Didn't have to go get a white robe or any of that stuff. Just now, now is the time. And I feel like there's some people here, like you're that eunuch. And today God interrupted you on the road of your life and says, you're coming with me and you're responding today. And then I think there's some people, I actually know because some of them are now planned, but I talked to my, my friend John just, just yesterday. And John has been a Christian and been a valuable part of our church here for, for decades. And he said to me yesterday, he says, I'm being baptized. I've been putting it off too long. And there are a bunch of you, and let me just say this because I love you. You are being disobedient and you are missing out on what God actually has for you. Your baptism legitimizes your faith. How can you stand before God someday? When you die and you open your eyes and, you go to, and you're standing before God, Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before all men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father. But if you accept me before all men, I will accept you before my Father. How do you plan to stand before God someday to say, I was too embarrassed and too ashamed to take a stand for you? How are you going to do that? So I'm calling out today the procrastinators. And I'm calling out the ones who just have kind of been putting it off for years. And I feel like there is a grace in some of you. You're squirming and you're clinching and I can see it. I can see it all uncomfortable. God is coming after you. Surrender. Surrender. I love you enough to make you uncomfortable because what you get when you surrender is so much greater than what you get when you sit there and get your way. God's way for your life is better than your way for your life. Surrender. Yeah. 
One more, one more group, and then I'm going to invite you to come. One more group. There's some prodigals. There's some people that you're just coming back and you know that there was a day when this was real for me and there was a day when I had a marriage, I had a relationship with Jesus and I broke the vows. And sometimes like I've, I've actually had to renew some married vows uh, as a pastor. And I don't always do it because vows need to be tested. And if you were baptized as a child and then it meant something for you, then, then amen. But some vows get so decimated and so desecrated and so broken that you need to actually recommit yourself to him. And I felt like there was a grace this weekend for some of you that you know that this is a recommittal of your vows to him and that today's your day too. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna count to three and we are gonna erupt in celebration and encouragement as brothers and sisters. And if you are any of those kind of categories, I want you to come right down this center aisle and I want you to meet me here with Pastor Adele and Dan and Andy and we are gonna baptize you and we are gonna celebrate your big day today. But when I count to three, don't wait. Last night, there were people who had shirts on and were planning and there were people who weren't and there should be them again today. There's a bunch of you, today is your day. Today is your day. Surrender, surrender, surrender to what he has for you. Listen, if we're gonna see revival in this region, it has to start in the church and it has to start in you. Release what you have. So on the count of three, you're going to get out of your chair. And those of us who have been baptized before, we're going to celebrate. Don't sit there and clap, though, for something you're not willing to do for yourself. So you come. If you can't be clapping in encouragement, you need to be walking down this aisle, all right? So on the count of three, one, today is the day. Two, it's time to walk down the aisle and say, I do. Three, come on, let's go. Come on, 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 come on. Come on, come on, there's more. Awesome, come on, awesome. Come right here, awesome. Come on, there's lots of room. Hey, there's more. Come on, stop fighting it. Come on. Come on. There's more. There's more. You might as well come now because the Holy Spirit is working on you. Come and do it. All right. So we're going to worship. And we're gonna celebrate Jesus as our friends are being baptized and as they take their vows and they take their place and they take their step. Awesome. Listen, there's a bunch of you who are still on the fence. I watched last night over like 20 minutes, I watched the Holy Spirit just break a bunch of stubborn people. Lord, break the stubborn right now in Jesus' name. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm coming after you. Awesome. So here's what it is, John, I want to I ask the question and then these guys are going to
just take their time with each one and we're gonna just witness and be witnesses and celebrate as they have their moment. But I'm gonna ask you all the question uh, to, uh, of just surrender to Jesus. Do you give your life to Jesus and pledge your life to him? Do you receive salvation from him and him alone through your faith? Do you pledge to give yourself and to live your life for him and from him and through him today and forevermore? If you do, say, I do. Awesome, 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 awesome. Good. Okay. So we're going to worship. We're going to worship and we're going to praise while our brothers and sisters take the plunge. Can we do that? All right, let's celebrate. Let's get it going. Come on, let's go.